Pastor Barrington Allen joins us back on Unaborted with Seth Gruber today. You might remember at Christmas time last year, guys, we had Barrington on the show. We became new friends, and we did one of actually the most popular episodes. I got a ton of great comments on this episode, and we created some really phenomenal reels from it that people were resharing a lot on Instagram because we talked about could Christmas get any more pro-life? And I couldn't think of anyone better than Pastor Barrington Allen to dive into the Hebraic foundation of the church, the Jewish context and language. And Pastor Barrington Allen has pastored in the greater Nashville area uh, for decades. And he now is involved in a wonderful ministry he and his wife have built called Total Life Victory. They're involved in pastoral marriage counseling and teaching the church and taking them on trips to Israel to awaken scripture uh, in a very real way. And Pastor Barrington and I just did an event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee for a wonderful pregnancy resource center out there. And he was blown the shofar and he was explaining one of the most powerful pro-life biblical messages I've ever heard and that I had never heard before, believe it or not. Uh, and, you know, I've been preaching on abortion for years. I rub shoulders with, you know, Jack Hibbs and all of these fiery pro-life uh, biblical contextual speakers, and I had never heard this insight before than from Pastor Barrington Allen. So I invited him back on the show. I think this conversation and preaching is really going to bless you. If you listen to the show and you're not a Christian, thanks for tuning in. We love you, but we're not going to stop blowing the shofar, and we're not going to stop awakening the spiritual conscience of the people, the country, and the pro-life movement to remind you that the culture war was always just a proxy war for the spiritual war. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Barrington, welcome back, brother. I love your intro. <laughs> I just do. The music is just... I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted, and bang, we just get to it. As a musician, so uh, the, I, I, I kind of cue in on those kind of things. And Well done, well done, brother. It's a joy to be back here with you. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to uh, share the platform with you in terms of uh, fighting this egregious thing in our land, and uh, we are living in a new space of air hmm. now, post row and uh how did we get here amen uh, and this is not new yeah this kind of thing in a civilization is not new this is the high stakes game uh for the enemy and wh what do i mean by that uh i'm of the opinion there are three high kingdom business areas and uh seth i just i just want to thank you before we go on for the opportunity to share my heart uh, regarding the, the, the nastiness yep. of baby killing and what it does to a civilization and how it affects the heart of God. Amen. Really so, quick, Pastor Barrington, because I, I, sure. I want to I I really like slick the platform. I want to polish the platform for you here oh, just here a, here a little go. bit more before you get going. Um, you, you used this term last December when we had you on for the Christmas episode, and I, I had never heard this this phrase before from any pastor or Christian teacher or author, and you say high kingdom business. And oh, yes. I loved that phrase when you used it. You used it multiple times when you talked about the biblical context of the Christmas story, um, mm -hmm. politicians killing babies to accrue political power is the context in which Christ was born. It's like, wow, mm -hmm. that's, that's continued. Um, but mm -hmm. when you use this phrase, I, I think I know what you're saying. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. but I want you to briefly unpack what you mean by high kingdom business, because I think if the church and our pastors grasp what you mean by this, I think it is a paradigm shift um, that mm-hmm. can happen and in fact needs to happen if we're mm-hmm. going to win this battle. So before you you preach what's on your heart today, brother, mm-hmm. tell us what you mean by high kingdom business. I'm going to refer to the first words of the king himself, who happens to be our everlasting father, our Messiah. Uh, long before Yeshua, I'm going to refer to him in his Hebrew name, uh, long before Yeshua, Jesus, uh, created the church, he has always been king, always been king. And uh, let's let's point to his first words of ministry. Uh, and his first words of ministry were, repent for the, he didn't say Israel, he didn't say church, he said kingdom hmm. of God is at hand. Do you realize the word kingdom outperforms the word love? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just a survey of those four gospels outperforms the word love two to one. It turns out that the word kingdom shows up in the New Testament. Wow. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the synoptic gospels, 117 to zero compared to the word religion. So if you search the scriptures for the word like uh, religion, uh, God didn't come here to start a religion. He came here to reintroduce his kingdom, A, to his own people, and then Gentile followers. So it wow. turns out that Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, talked about his kingdom more than any other subject. It outperformed love. Love shows up 55 times in the four God. Go look it up, New King James Version. It's absolutely wow. fascinating how keyed in he is upon his kingdom. So... This makes Jerusalem, Israel, vastly important because Jerusalem, it turns out, is not only the capital of Israel, it's the capital of God's kingdom on the planet. Wow. On the planet. So this this thing that we are in is not just the church because the church is a part of the kingdom. Israel is a part of the kingdom. And uh, here's a shock. I say high kingdom business because that's what the Lord is about, his kingdom business, making sure his kingdom is established on the planet. Wow. uh, Getting us back to the experience of the garden post uh, pre-bites. Right. Uh, Pre-bite. And I mean one bite because Adam's bite was the death bite. Eve's bite was not the death bite. The bite that caused King Jesus to step off of his throne and to step into the bloodline of humanity was not Eve's bite, it was Adam's bite, which is why in Corinthians 14 that the Lord is referred to as the last Adam, not the second, the last, because if he were a second, that implies a third. He's the last Adam. Hmm. The first Adam brought sin into the world. The last Adam took it out. And that sin entered into the world through Adam's bite. And right after that, uh, he gave him a wife. You know, during that time, right. he, had, he had his wife. So when, I, when I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but hiking to business area number one is the sanctity of human life because hmm. God made a man and put him in a garden. Right. And then right after that, he gave him a wife. That's hiking to business area number two. Now let me get back to the, the what the bite caused, because if it were not for the bite we would have had no need to create high kingdom business area number three. Mm. And what is that? 
the third area of high kingdom business regarding our king and any civilization is Israel. What do I, why is that? When Adam partook of the fruit, if you were to count 1,948 years after that moment, so we go forward 1,948 years, that brings us approximately to the time of Abraham. Mm. When the Lord tapped Abram on the shoulder and said, hey, you're going to be my first Hebrew, I am stepping into your bloodline to redeem this planet. Wow. And I need a people group to do that, and you're the guy. And remember now, Abram had no Bible. The Lord told him, he said, all I'm going to tell you is you're the guy. We're going to cut covenant here. It's going to all be on me. Right. And I want you to be my first Hebrew because I knew you, I know you were in the trinket making business and making little bitty idols. You're done with that. There's only one God. I'm it. And I'm going to prove it. He goes, oh, wow. Okay. Well, let's cut covenant. And he does. And Abram leaves, becomes Abraham, so father of many nations. So this redemption of the planet is wholly connected to a kingdom of heaven endeavor, the kingdom of God and his endeavor for the universe. Hmm. So that's why I refer to high kingdom business area number one being the sanctity of human life, high kingdom business area number two being the sanctity of natural, traditional, male to female marriage. Wow. We can have a whole discussion on how, on, on how only yeah. that coupling yep. makes and spells the name of God. And now high kingdom business area number three, Abraham and Israel, because God is redeeming the planet through Israel. He, he gave them law. He gave them law approximately 3,500 years B.C. when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Israel became a codified nation at the time. And from that came the Levitical law 3,500 right. years ago. And the importance of that is what was in that law? What was in that law? Uh, laws pertaining to, get this, he made it part of the law because God was about, all right, Canaanites out, Israelites in. Right. Why were the Canaanites being booted out? Because they were doing what, what uh, Leviticus 18.21 refers to. They were burning their children in the fire, committing abortions. Right. That's what they were doing. And they were specifically as the scriptures refer to it as passing their descendants through the fire, fire. Yeah. burning them alive. And what you talked about, the drums being beaten louder yep. to drown out the cries of infants reeling for their lives, screaming for their lives so that that, that scream, those, those cries of the children would be drowned out by the, the right. pounding of drums. Wicked. Yep. Wicked. It also reminds me of cries of people in cattle cars heading to Auschwitz, yep. passing behind churches. They mm. would order the service differently to turn the music up louder Sing so they wouldn't louder. hear the cries. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's it's utterly fascinating, the parallel, the parallel with this foul spirit. Yep. So Exodus 18 clearly says, I, he made it law, don't burn your children in the fire. Right. Don't do it. Uh, as they were on their way to their land, they entered in, and in, this, in, in the book of Judges, the king of Israel was not David, nor was it Saul. The king of Israel 
was God. <laughs> right, right. He was their king. They didn't have a king. That's right. They just had judges. And they were reporting to the king himself, God Almighty, Yehovah. And in, in Isaiah, it clearly says in Isaiah 43, Israel, I am your king. I created you. You know, which brings particular attention to the sign over Jesus' head, king of the Jews. It's one and the same. We serve one God. In Hebrew, it's Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, the That's Lord hard. thy God is one. So Judges 6 opens up with something quite interesting. In Judges 6, we see verse 1 declaring, Then the children of Israel, and, and this is, the, the, by the way, the, uh, the constitution of the kingdom <laughs> right here. This is the constitution. And everything you need to know about the kingdom of God is right here in this book. So Judges 6 opens with, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, what were they doing? Uh, so when you see the Lord focusing on evil, what, what evil were they doing? Hmm. So much so that uh, Jehovah delivered them into the hands of the Midianites for seven years. So for seven years, wow. these Midianites were squeezing the Israelites. They had their foot on the neck of the Israelites, along with the Amalekites, too. What were they doing? The Israelites would grow their crops, right. grow them up, and the Midianites would come and destroy it or, and take what they have. Right. Take it and destroy it so that Israel would be impoverished. Well, no, Barrington, no, that's, that's just democratic socialism. That's what I refer to <laughs> it as. I, I refer to it as Midianite socialism. Uh, Communism is you own nothing. Socialism is we're going to make you think you own it, and then you're still going to pay for it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a sense of ownership, but we're still putting our hand in your pocket. Right. So the Midianites were making them grow it, and then they would take it, and that is basically socialism. Right. And after the Midianites were doing this, um, Gideon said, you know what? I'm going to go to a cave. I'm just going to thresh my wheat, and that's basically tax evasion. Uh, civil disobedience. How about that? <laughs> we put it in the framework of civil disobedience. So he goes into a cave and he starts threshing the floor on his own so that he can hide his earnings from these foul Midianites. Hmm. Now, the question begs is, now, why would the Lord send an, an enemy to oppress his people for seven years? What were they doing? Hmm. So the Lord shows up to Gideon. And he says to him, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, verse 12, chapter 6. Hmm. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said that, Gideon, you mighty man, of, ma mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, where have you been? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> he starts right. off this conversation with God and it's right here in verse 12 hmm. and 13. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord was with us, why then is all this happening? In other words, wow. you're supposed to be a big old God with us. Wow. You take our people out of Egypt. You help them. You've got these Midianites with their foot on our neck. Where have you been? If wow. you're with us, where have you been? And now, uh, does the Lord chide him in that moment? You would think, how dare you talk to me, right. little peon Gideon? He, <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't do that. What he said to Gideon is actually profound. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him. After all this opining about where have you been, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. 
Hmm. He actually commended the man. You have might. Only a guy like you would try to get in my face. I'm wow. the God of the universe. And you're pinning me to the wall saying, where have I been? So this is why I'm tapping you on the shoulder, Gideon. This is why I called you a mighty man of valor, because I knew you would respond this way. So I want you to go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So hmm. he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Now, they're talking about strategy, about relief from these from this enemy oppressor. Right. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Pause right there. Manasseh, that's a descendant of Joseph. She, Manasseh's tribe is half Egyptian. Did you guys know that? Hmm. Half Hamitic. Right. This is, so this is the tribe from Joseph and his marriage to Afishpanea, his, the Egyptian, his Egyptian wife. So Manasseh, I'm the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So at this point, one would think Gideon is about to get strategy for how to deal with the Midianites. Right, right. That God is going to give him some military yeah. thing about ambush. Yeah, right. You, 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 you flank him over here. and Take him out. Yeah. <laughs> that is not where God started at all. Gideon makes dinner. For the Lord, he said, I need a sign from you. So he makes dinner and he puts the dinner in front of the Lord and the meat's not cooked. So God takes his staff and sets the meat on fire and <laughs> <laughs> makes fire come out of the stone. And Gideon goes, whoa, okay, you're God. Wow. You are God. You, the Lord did something similar in, in, uh, in Exodus. He made fire come out of the stone and, and, and people fell down and worshiped. So Gideon gave the proper mm. response because he knew, okay, I'm dealing with the God of the universe. And he called him the Lord of peace or Yehovah of Shalom, the Lord our Shalom. Now it came to pass the same night, on the same night, it came to pass on the same night that the Lord said to Gideon, one would think we're about to hear military strategy. Right. That's not where God started. Mm. God said, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down this altar of Baal. In other words, start up the truck, because that's the bulls were used for work. Right. So get, get this thing together, and here's where we're going to start with these Midianites. Tear down this altar of Baal. I told you guys, stop burning your children in the fire. You've been burning your children in the fire, and now I've got the enemy here on your neck because you are committing wickedness in the land. You want to know why these Midianites are here? They're here because you are burning your children in the fire. Tear down the altar of Baal, take that Asherah pole, chop that thing up, and burn it on the altar of Baal, and, and the bull, I want that as a sacrifice. Wow. You got me? That's where we're starting. Wow. I'm starting with these Midianites. I'm starting with the blood of these innocent children, the blood of my the descendants. You, you, you guys don't realize I have tagged you. I'm coming through you. Right. I'm coming through you. I need these descendants alive. Wow. Do you, do, so wow. stop burning my children in the fire. So Gideon says, oh, <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to start there. <laughs> I thought we were going to go after the Midianites. No. We're going to go after the root cause. Wow. We're going to go after the root cause. There is a party in these United States of America Come on. that is akin 
to these Midianites, mm. akin to the Canaanites, akin to misguided Israelites burning their children in the fire. Wow. When I had my radio show here in Nashville, I would challenge my fellow Christians who wow. are in the Democrat Party. Yeah, yep. I would say, you've got two options. Come on. Two. One, fight like the Dickens to overturn this foul party platform of baby killing. That's right. That, that, that's option number one. Option number two, if you're not able to do that and you're not willing to do that, here's your second option. Get out. Wow. Get out. Because otherwise, why are you there? Now, did I catch grief for that? Of course. <laughs> but I do not care. That's right. I don't like because the word of God says stop killing babies. That's right. We have a party in our in our political system that espouses baby killing as a virtue. Yep. And your last episode on sacred abortion? Yep. We're going back the more pagan we become as a culture, the far the more we become aligned with sacred Molech style yep. abortion. And did you see the Commonwealth Games? Yes, talk about that. I have not covered that in the, in the, in the podcast oh yet. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so so last games. week, yeah, so on my podcast last week, Pastor Barrington, which you just mentioned, um, or the beginning of this week, rather, um, we talked about this new phenomenon that is being normalized. It's actually not a new career path, but it's being normalized, and it's increasingly um, growing larger, and that's of abortion mm -hmm. doulas. Um, mm -hmm. Because with the overturning of Roe, and I want to hear your pastoral opinion on that too, because you did a great uh, open letter uh, video vodcast to, to pastors. But um, with Roe getting overturned, more and more, quote unquote, nurses of death, priestesses of death, abortion doulas, which often, by the way, are not physicians, they're not licensed whatsoever. Um, they, rather than being doulas that help women give birth, to celebrate and deliver the child into the world, they're helping kill the child, mentor the mother, and hold her hand as she does it. And so a lot of these abortion doulas are also functioning as sort of political strategists in the sense that they're helping women navigate state laws or they're helping them get funding to get out of their more pro-life state, let's say, perhaps where, where abortion is now illegal, to get an abortion out of state. And this one abortion doula in particular in Montana, her name is Lindsay Bork, she has a series of YouTube videos teaching people how to build an altar. Um, with a with some feminist goddess of fertility, a tarot card that goes on the altar with the abortion pills, with all this incense that she's waving That's on herself to make herself feel quote unquote clean, and a container for the murdered baby that goes on the freaking altar. Uh, and so my main point from that episode, Pastor Barrington, was this: Oh, for Christians who were as zealous for their religion as right. as this cult is for theirs. Well, and so, and so, piggybacking off of that, why don't you talk about this this sacred bull cow thing that you just referenced at those games? Because I think this you're going to see more and more the oh, yeah. the cult like nature of mm -hmm. the abortion industry manifest itself more and more. It was always a religious cult, but it was able always. to successfully masquerade as what just science and just mm -hmm. politics, lest mm -hmm. they overplay their hand and the mm -hmm. good people start to wake up. And so they were mm -hmm. successful 
and doing Satan's favorite thing, which scripture talks about masquerading as an angel of light. But you see, Barrington, when the enemy overplays his hand, uh, the light shines. And people start, shines, people start waking up and they go, oh, oh gosh, this is the spirit of Moloch manifesting in my city. But he's right been now. wearing a, a, a mask of faux compassion. And I was tricked into thinking it was something other than the cult that it is. So, so piggybacking off that comment, talk about what you just referenced uh, okay. internationally where okay. we're seeing this cult-like celebration. So in England, they have the Commonwealth Games, whereby they gather all the athletes of the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth. Uh, Jamaica is a part of the, the British Commonwealth, even though they are a separate state. Nonetheless, these athletes gather together in England, and they compete. And they have a ceremony similar to the Olympics, an opening ceremony. At the opening ceremony, a massive animatronic bull yeah. is driven out into the center of the arena. And the storyline is this bull has been controlling humanity and in a rage. And one little lady of light calms the bull down and the bull has a change of heart. And then people start worshiping the bull. <laughs> yeah. They start bowing down to the bull and presenting their games. And the bull brings unity ethnically to people. <laughs> it is exactly the story Satan wants to tell. God is not your source of unity. I yep. am, and we're going to do it through sport. Yep. It was Molech worship without the burning arms and babies falling in. Wow. But the bull of worship has been introduced. If you've seen ancient statues of Molech, it's a bull. Yeah, right, right. Very it's important point. Uh, Barrington, you may remember this. You know, we just we just fled California, not for political or financial reasons, just for um, to have family support. But, you know, as a, as a lifetime California resident until <laughs> uh, July 5th, um, I've closely followed California politics and obviously continue to. I was just preaching at a wonderful church that you would love, brother, uh, Rock Harbor Church Bakersfield, and preached a message mm -hmm. called Something is Going on Beyond Space and Time. Um, and California, a couple years ago, or less actually, Barrington, you may remember this, was pushing um, ethnic diversity and inclusion curriculum um, for public high schools that was mandating Aztec chants to pagan gods of human sacrifice. And I, 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 it sounds like I just pitched you a novel for some sci-fi dystopic future, right? Uh, mm. No, 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 it's not. It's happening in California. I think they mm. might have pulled it because of the backlash. I think, I think they were like, oh, we overplayed our hand. Um, but I, there were videos that were released of public high schools during assembly time chanting wow. Aztec chants to the pagan god known as Tislatapoca um, and, and the Aztec's other primary god, Huitzilopochtli. That was their two primary right. gods of human sacrifice. Um, they would take the heart out. Yeah, uh -huh, that's right. Uh, it literally, it, 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 and it says it in the curriculum. It says to the Aztec god Tislatapoca, and you go Google, it's like, oh, it was a pagan god of human sacrifice that demanded human sacrifice. So it, whether it's that, what's happening at these Commonwealth Games, or now with abortion doulas, uh, literally celebrating and, and preparing videos teaching people how to build abortion altars, um, I think we begin to realize what I said in the introduction to this show, that the culture war was always just a proxy war 
for the spiritual uh-huh. war, and, and it's time for people to start seeing that. Now, uh, now let me play devil's advocate here a, a little bit, um, and then there was a passage in Scripture. Can you came... actually do that, Seth? Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> there's a passage in Scripture I want to get your pastoral heart and, and opinion on, sure. um, but let's say this. Well, Barrington, you know, that's not very fair. Um, listen, I'm pro-life. I know there's a lot of important issues. It's not a great thing. I mean, we should probably stop it. But come on, really, Barrington, you're saying that 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 like the Israelites with the Midianites that God's going to give us over to be ruled by those who hate us because of baby sacrifice? Barrington, that's not the same because the Israelites were literally uh, giving their children and burning their children to Moloch. But hey, we're a Christian church. I mention I mentioned pro-life from the sermon once a year, Barrington, on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and, and I give the Pregnancy Resource Center director five minutes to share about her ministry once every 365 days. We don't kill our babies at this church. So it's not, it's not a historical parallel. It's not fair for you to say that, Barrington. The Israelites were literally killing their babies. We're not here in, in American evangelicalism, and certainly not at our church. Uh, and so we'll, we'll reference it, and we'll, we'll pay rhetor- rhetorical reference to it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's not a fair historical analogy for you to make. What would you say to someone who, who, who would, would push say, back? let's focus on outcome. I would say, let's focus on outcome. What is the outcome of a burned child? Death. What is the outcome of a suction abortion of a child? Death. The location of both actions is different, but the outcome is the same. Now, the Lord God Almighty, King Jesus, does not deal with individuals differently from nations. Uh, Better said, he did deal with nations and individuals equally. If you sinned, you're dead. When Yeshua showed up, he said, okay, I'm going to treat individuals differently. Now, I am not going to flood the planet. I'm not going to kill everybody. Now, I'm just going to flood each and every individual heart with my love and scoop the sin out that way. It'll be a a love blood flood, a flood of my love over you by the shedding of my blood for your sin. Mm. So treating individuals changed after Calvary. Dealing with nations has not. That has not changed. When nations corporately get off the beaten path of God's word of protection, they pay a price. Mm. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, the Ottoman Empire, even the British Empire. When it came to dealing with Israel, why do I key in on that? Do you realize the sheep and goat nation separation in the scriptures? Sheep nations over here, goat nations over there in Matthew. That's based upon how you dealt with high kingdom business area number three, Israel. Mm. So when the Lord says, are you a watchman on the wall for the shedding of innocent blood? The shedding of innocent blood, God hates. That's clear. That's all throughout Psalms. He hates the shedding of innocent blood. When a nation makes it legal to extract human flesh from what should be the safest place on the planet, yep. a mother's womb. Now it's the most violent area on yep. the planet. You have a better chance of surviving Desert Storm and other wars since then to now than your mother's womb during the same time period. It's, it's close to 5,000 a day we were slaughtering. So when I say, when I look a pastor in the face and say, uh, this is just a, a political issue, Since when? 
Since when is it a political issue? Do you realize Israel lost their territory? They lost their land over doing exactly what we're doing. Wow. There is no nation on the planet, yep. none, that has, that can survive doing what we have been doing. That's right. Every nation on the planet has paid a price for doing what we're doing. And you know what? I, I took, Seth, I think you might find this interesting. I took the, the, the letters of the phrase row versus, and spelling out versus, V-E-R-S-U-S, Roe versus Wade, and created anagrams from that. Listen to these anagrams that come from Roe versus well, Wade. Well, tell, tell our listeners really quick what that is. So an anagram is you have a phrase, and you make new words from only the letters in that phrase. So you can't grab other letters to make up words. You can only create words from the phrase itself. And the phrase is Roe, R-O-E, Versus V E R S U S Wade W A D E. What words can emerge from that anagram? And this is English. This is in English. Erode. That comes from Roe versus Wade. Next, so sore. It's so sore to the child. The child suffers. So S O W. Woe. We are sowing woe unto ourselves. The Lord says, Woe to you who call good evil right. and evil good. Woe. Woe to you. So we we are we've been sowing woe. Here's another one. We sow sorrows. Hmm. This is all from the anagrams from Roe versus Wade. Next one. Dare we veer? Veer from what? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof leads to death. That's Proverbs 14, 12. Wow. Dare we veer from that? That comes from the, the letters Roe v. Wade. Roe versus Wade. Wow. Read verses. Read verses. What verses? The Bible. Yeah. The Bible is tell. <laughs> Read those verses to let you know that this is wicked. This is wicked. Next one. Save or erode. Wow. Save or erode. Save the babies or erode. When I say erode, we are eroding our population base. Wow. If it's been 60 million people. That's right. If half of them had children. We, wouldn't ha we would have nearly 400 million people in our country right now. And as a practical matter, wow. and obviously this is not the, 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 the most important, it's the least important, but I'm going to mention it nonetheless, our tax base. <laughs> right. One nation can survive. That's you, right. You can't go into perpetuity harming its young. You yep. just can't. A worse vow. We have made a worse vow. Wow. Having Rover Bro versus wow. Wade in existence. And it has been a Dave war. It's been a Dave war. Us against Goliath. Wow. And Goliath fell on our behalf. Fell. Now it's time for pastors to step up. I wow. pity any pastor that does not act like the black robe regiment here in the United States <laughs> of America when the country first started. Amen. That Underneath their black robe is the continental U.S., the continental army uniform declaring, let us fight this yep. wickedness That's in right. our land. Every church is going to be revealed for who they are and who they are not wow. in their local communities because the Lord has said, I got rid of it. Wow, Barrington. I got rid of it. Pastors, it's up to you. So the first thing God addressed regarding Israel's being, Israel being oppressed was their abortion. Wow. And they ended it. He did tear it down. And Joash, Joash, his dad, took some flack for it. Your son did this, and we're, we're going to have Baal come after you. He said, hey, if Baal's so big and bad, let him take care of his own business. Wow. Let's see if he can handle it. That's right. Then Israel, sadly, did it again. 
historically, yep. it happened again. And yep. this is during King Babylon's reign when he came in and invaded Israel. If you, For your listeners and your viewers, if you go back to the book of Jeremiah, you will see the first 11 chapters, God, the same God who approached Gideon, showed up through Jeremiah and built his case against his own people hmm. regarding, you're doing it again. You're burning my children in the yep. fire. Yep. You're baking cakes to the queen of heaven, which is Asherah. And sadly, wow. we're doing the same thing here. Not We're not having bake sales. Here's how the system is equal yep. here in the United States. It's parallel here in yep. the United States. Asherah sexualizes any community. That was her goal. She was a goddess of fertility. The way you worship Asherah was orgy. Then you had... Wow. An unwanted wow. child from that. I see act. what you're saying. Yeah. That's okay. Nine months later, if you don't want yep. to keep that child, bring it to Molech yep. and burn the child. That's how the abortion industry operates today. Sex set is their sales funnel. Abortion is their product. And your daughters are their mm -hmm. prospects. You have to That's sexualize uh, society. You have to titillate the masses and reduce mm -hmm. them down to their most fundament fundamental animalistic base desires and encourage mm -hmm. them to mm -hmm. entertain and uh, satisfy those urges at all points. And then mm -hmm. when the babies are conceived, because you believe you should have orgasms without responsibility, you just mm -hmm. kill the baby. It's still how they operate today. This is and exactly now Portland opened an abortion center over a year ago in the beginning of 2021, and they named the freaking abortion center the Lilith Clinic. Lilith, oh. referring to in Jewish folklore... <laughs> Ready, Barrington, a literal demon that kills babies and terrorizes pregnant women to cause miscarriages. <laughs> like uh -huh. when someone shows you who they are, you should believe them, Barrington. But you know what? This is also good because because I think what we're doing is is we're we're shining light on spiritual realities that we're not that we're not unpacking, but we're merely observing. These things are inserting themselves in front of the face of the church. Hi, I'm Lilith. I'm the demon god of baby killing. Hi. I mean, you have an abortion fund called the Lilith Fund, Barrington. They've been around for years. They're called the Lilith Fund. And now you have an abortion center in Portland called Lilith Clinic, okay? There was a writer in the mid-90s who wrote a book called The Sacrament of Abortion, um, oh, yes. and, and, in, right. and I talked about I this in my book. recent episode, she literally said that abortion is a sacrament to the, mm -hmm. to one of these pagan goddesses. Um, and it's a necessary sacrifice. It's terrible and necessary in order to keep the, to keep the gift of life pure. Uh, and so you've had these abortion sort of defenders be honest about this. And now it's increasingly manifesting itself, whether it's through altars being built by abortion doulas. Um, or these uh, these uh, games in Britain, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think I, I think it's because the enemy overplays his hand. Um, we start to see the true agenda, uh, and so uh, so that's why I love the phrase that you use of high kingdom business because it's manifesting mm -hmm. itself in our very midst, uh, and, and we need to acknowledge it as such. But what you said about nations being judged, Barrington, I think that is interesting, and that's significant, okay? Uh, I want mm -hmm. you to build that out. It reminds me of something George Mason said, the father of the Bill of Rights, uh, Barrington. He said, as nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, so they must be in this. By an mm -hmm. inevitable chain 
of causes and effects, providence punishes national sins by national yes. calamities. That's correct. That is correct. Uh, national calamities. Remember Hurricane Sandy? Yep. Very fascinating hurricane. Developed in the north. Hurricanes don't develop in the north. They start usually in the Mediterranean, in the uh, Caribbean Sea, gather power, and then they work their way up the eastern seaboard or into the Gulf. This one started in the north hmm. and then parked on New York City for three days. Three days. Wow. I went, okay, Lord. Okay. what What's going on? And I started praying about it. And in prayer, the word abortion popped up. I really? went and researched all the abortion clinics in New York wow. during the three days you did. of Hurricane Sandy. All major, all abortion clinics in New York were shut down for the first time since Roe v. Wade. First time. Wow. First time. New York, they were responsible for 500 abortions a day there. Right. Three days, that's 1,500 abortions stopped. As a fun exercise, wow. I, when, when they opened, who's to say that God did not use this hurricane? Because it was a very fascinating hurricane. I am not minimizing the loss of life during the hurricane. Right, right, it was right. minimal. It was only less than 100 people died wow. in that hurricane. And you would think more would in that flooding. But it was minimal loss of life, and I don't want to minimize that loss. But I do want to accent that maximized life was saved during those three days. Wow. Now, were all 1,500 abortion, abortion appointments kept? Maybe half? Maybe a quarter? Who's to say? We don't know who those sandy babies are. That wow. the, the Lord tapped these ladies on the shoulder, and they looked Whoa. at this hurricane and went, you know what? I'm going to keep the baby. Wow. I don't, we don't know who they are. That's fascinating to consider. And the name Sandy means defending men. Really? That's what Sandy means. Yes. It does. It means defending men. Wow. Sandy. So why is New York significant? It is the birthplace of modern abortion in our country. And Sanger. It's the birthplace of yep. Margaret Sanger was from there. Her it first birth, the contr her first birth now, control clinic was in New York City. Just, af just after this stat happened, the hurricane came. Here's the stat. And the stat hit around 2011. There are more babies of color aborted than born in New York City now. Yep. And that stat clicked wow. just before Sandy came. Wow. It's wicked. Then Harvey came. Hmm. Remember Harvey? Yep. I said, okay, here's Harvey. Went, it, it hit Corpus Christi, then went back out into the ocean, gained more power, and went straight over to Houston and went boom. Same thing. Again, similar outcome. Minimal life loss. A lot of lives were saved both in the natural and spiritually. A lot of people gave their lives to the Lord because wow. of Hurricane Harvey. Churches were mobilized and did great things. But guess what? Guess what was closed down for the entire time Harvey hit that place with a deluge? Right. Every abortion clinic was shut down. Wow. Hurricanes, they may be a, a, a bear to deal with, but they shut down clinics. Wow. Wow. They shut down clinics. You know what, Barrington? And you were it's, talking it's, about national disaster. That's what comes yeah, to mind. Right. Well, that's and, what and, comes and, to mind. and and that's that's almost more tangible and applicable, actually. And so I that's I that's a fascinating contribution you've made. Um I, I I've always asked churches this question. Um, could it be 
Could it be that the over two years of COVID tyranny is part of our <laughs> national judgment in America for baby killing? And so it's just it's your not. perspective. You cannot say it's categorically not. One can't say it's categorically right. not. Right, amen. Especially in light of the evidence of Egypt, they, they did baby killing. They yep. threw the Jews' children in the Nile. They yep. did, which yep. is why the first blo- the first uh, plague was blood. Yep. Uh, the Assyrians did it. Uh, the Persians did it. The Babylonians did it. Yep. The Greeks did it. Yep. The Romans did it. Yep. Uh, every civilization on the planet that has done what we have been doing legally on a federal level. Wow. Has paid a price for it. Barrington, I want to I want to share this with you. I I was just sharing this with my my pastor buddy here, um, and. Since you just discussed Sanger and the birthplace of the abortion rights movement, I think this will fascinate you. Um, G.K. Chesterton, okay, um, as, as I'm sure you're aware, brother, was one of the most, if not almost exclusively, the only major Christian voice publicly condemning eugenics as it was becoming the Leviathan it would turn out to be. So you got Sanger in the 20s and 30s, right? You, you've, Madison got, Grant. you've got Alfred Kinsey. You've got Madison Grant. You've got Lothrop Stoddard. You've got Eugene Fisher. You've got Ernst Rudin. You have, you, you have the Rockefellers. You have, I mean, you have all of these funders, uh, right, of the eugenics movement and of the, the Population Council. And, and so one of the most premier, bold public voices against all of this was G.K. Chesterton. It's fascinating. He he was a total son of Issachar. He was an Ezekiel watchman, and boy, mm-hmm. could he communicate. And so I want to tell you one one short line he said in 1920, bro. 19, 1920. 1920. So, so now think about the statement I'm about to tell you and put it in the context of what he was seeing so early on. He said this in 1920, we are not so far away from even the sacrifice of babies, if not to a crocodile, at least to a creed. Oh, my. So he referenced Egypt yep. and the crocodile babies there and the creed of the eugenicists yep. uh, in the headwaters of the eugenics movement yep. is uh, Francis Galton, who is the half-cousin of Charles Darwin. Yep. And an abortion... And slavery, uh, chattel slavery in the United States of America are wholly connected yep. because when 4 million people are free, we don't want that population to grow. So let's, let's yep. limit it. Yep. And sadly, uh, for 120 years, that modus operandi worked. Yep. And the African-American community in the United States of America has stayed static and in some portions dipped between 73 and now dipped. Yep. Dipped. And the culprit, I would dare say, is abortion. Because when I do sidewalk counseling, loose survey, six out of 10 women walking into a clinic is an African-American woman. And that clinic is in African-American communities. And the whole concept of race, which I mentioned in my book, is the juggernaut issue that has caused abortion to exist. It co- the concept of race caused the cattle cars of Auschwitz to be functional yep. because Hitler was a eugenicist taking his notes from eugenicists in America. Yep. So all of this is connected to foul ideology. And when we veer from the king's constitution 
the word of God, mm. uh, we, we, we mess up on high kingdom business areas yep. and life, marriage and Israel, every country pays a price when they are off in one or all three. And sadly, America is teetering on toppling a third. Yep. That's right. Um, I, I think that, um, I think this needs to be the trumpet call, um, for the church in this season. And we need to say it in as many different ways as possible, but it goes something like this. While many issues are important, they don't all carry the same moral weight. No, they do not. Because the response of an apolitical pastor to what you've shared today, Barrington, or from a I'm neither left nor right pastor, (laughs) the people who abdicate uh, from this thing Mm -hmm. called politics, and literally politics just comes from the word public, the public squares to the sphere, how we all live together. Oh, I thought it meant uh, politics, uh, many blood-sucking things. That's right. Yes, yes, I've heard that as well. (laughs) Um, uh, They would say something like this, um, you know, each person's entitled to their outrage. Each cause deserves its own movement. And so, mm. you know, Barrington, I appreciate what you do, but, you know, our church is called to X or A or B or C, something different than ending the genocide of, of, of baby image bearers. And while then why don't you hate what God hates? That's right. Why don't you hate yeah. what God hates? And, and while, I'm, while I'm, I believe God calls his warriors to many different battlefronts, amen, hallelujah, um, it doesn't mean all issues carry the same moral or spiritual weight. Um, this is not just the sacrament of Satan. It's not just the sacrament of secular progressivism. It is a proxy war against God himself. Uh, and so if, if you want blessing on your land again, pastor, if you want fertile soil for the gospel, if you want the Holy Spirit to be present in your ministry and blessing your efforts and bringing people to himself, then you mm. need to stop the baby killing. God will not bless mm-hmm. a people, a country, a church, or a land that participate in or allow this evil in their land. And it reminds me, I think it's Leviticus 18, Barrington, um, and, and I, we'll, we'll close down and, and get your thoughts on this, um, but it's specifically related to God's commandments against giving your children to Moloch. It might be Leviticus 20. In um, Leviticus 18, 21. Yes. Well, and, but in Leviticus 20, I believe, Barrington, I'll let you find it and, and, and check me later. Um, God says um, uh, to give none of your children to Moloch. Um, if any of you do give one of your children to Moloch, and then he says, or, or the man who turns his face away. You remember this passage, the verse? Or mm, the man who mm. turns his face away. From, from from that man over there, from that man right. when he sacrifices one of his children to Moloch. And the end of that passage, Barrington says, then I will cut you off from among the people. You and all of you who follow after him in whoring yourselves or prostituting yourselves after Moloch. And, and, and so I, I think what we need to say from that passage, if you believe that the dignity of life in the womb is the same as the dignity of life outside the womb, is that you are just as complicit in this evil as those who partake in it. You cannot pretend to be disengaged or um, sort of removed from this battlefield simply because you might not have a church or you might not have a family or you yourself might not be actually sacrificing your children to Moloch. If you see the wickedness, you know it's wicked and you don't do anything about it, then you are also complicit as well. Without question. So, anyways. Without question. To that, I would say, um, 
if a pastor would say, well, you know, hey, I, I think it's wrong too, but it, that's not my wheelhouse. I said, that's interesting. It's more important to Satan than it is to you. Yep. Yep. It's more important to the enemy because the enemy knows this is the high stakes game. It's not oil policy. It's not energy policy. It's not fiscal financial policy. It's not the supply chain issues. The top issue for God regarding any civilization is how do you treat the innocent among you, the sanctity of human life? And again, again, that's is why I refer to it as high kingdom business area number one. Amen. And Satan knows that. Yep. And he approaches it that way. Yep. Which is why as soon as the Biden administration got in, the first thing they wanted to do was protect abortion. Yep. That's right. Because the enemy is using this as a platform to guard what he knows God absolutely abhors. Yep. He abhors it. And Satan is playing checkers, but God is playing chess. Amen. And Roe v. Wade is gone. And yep. we have an opportunity to really, really take care of high yep. kingdom business. That's right. We need to give God a reason to show our country mercy. Um, mm. Let's finish with this Chesterton line then, Barrington. Unless a man becomes the enemy of an evil, he will not even become its slave, but rather its champion. Oh, oh my goodness. Right? Me meaning, unless sobering. you pick... That's a graduation. Yeah, unless you pick your side and you become the enemy of one of the most evil ideologies and injustices in human history, you will not even become the slave of that evil, but rather its champion. Because that's exactly what Satan wants, actually. He wants mm -hmm. Christians who hold orthodox beliefs but have no orthopraxy. Because it's easier mm. to well keep... It's easier to mobilize... It's easier to disarm your enemy when they're apathetic than when they're deceived. Satan would rather have, I'm just building this thought out right now. I, th this is the Lord, I think. Satan would rather have apathetic believers um, who, as Bethke said, which was one of Bonhoeffer's best friends, who confess but don't resist. He'd rather have those as his enemy than, than deceived, secular, progressive, pink-haired, lesbian, dance theory, major UC Berkeley graduates. Because when mm -hmm. you're so deceived in the streams of liberalism, which is, is just a, a, a proxy for, for Satanism today, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. y y when the light hits you, it's going to hit you hard. And, right. and you are more likely to be revived, to be reborn, and turn mm -hmm. from your wicked ways than the apathetic believer who believes all the right things but does nothing to stand against the and evil of his times. Satan wants, Satan wants lots. And I want to I want to piggyback on you. Satan wants lots, Barrington, and mm -hmm, not mm -hmm, Joseph's. Mm -hmm. He wants lots and not David's. He wants Lot's and not Gideon's because Lot give up their own. believed up all their the own. right things. He even spoke the right things when he went to the citizens of, of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and said, don't do this mm -hmm. wicked thing. Here, have sex with my daughters instead. He'd rather have the people like Lot who have orthodox beliefs and they're an influencer, they're a Christian influencer in the public square, but they'll give mm -hmm. over their own children and the posterity of their nation in order to keep their platform, their position, and their influence. 
Um, we oh, need Davids. We need we need Josephs, and we need Gideons, and we need Ezekiel's, and we need sons of Issachar. Else or else, not only will we never end abortion, but to quote Mildred Jefferson. Today it is the unborn child. Tomorrow it is likely to be the elderly or those who are incurably ill. Who knows but that a little later it might be you with your political and moral views that don't fit Mm -hmm. into the new distorted order. If if, if one can kill – if one can espouse an ideology that results in the death of a baby, they can do anything. And and they will do anything. That's right. Send us off, brother. So the reason reason why Satan likes – wants pastors docile and – prefers that and really focuses his energy on keeping pastors docile because every pastor can become a Gideon. That's why. Yeah, that's good. Every pastor is one click away from becoming a Gideon. The the litany of individuals you listed that are doing whatever in parks and reading drag queen, reading whatevers, they're they're so far down the scale – that if they change a little bit, eh, you're still on my side. Whatever, yep. you're still on my side. But a believing, God-fearing pastor who's do- docile in this area, that guy wakes up, bang, you yep. got a Gideon on your hands, and all of a sudden, game over. Yep. Game over. So he concentrates on let's keep these these beach balls submerged. It's going to get exhausting. Yep. It's going to get exhausting for the other side. That's right. And That's we're right. going to have our day. Yep. Every pastor can That's be good. Getting. That's why Reagan said evil is powerless when the good are unafraid. So mm. that's good. Well said. Pastor Barrington, brother, that was amazing. I, I hope, uh, I hope I we get you. some messages from pastors and lay people and leaders from this episode that, that will have been awakened and will be joining mm-hmm. us on the field, field of battle because of your, your biblical, political, and spiritual clarity. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Love you, Seth. Yep. We'll see you soon. Thank you guys for joining the show today. Uh, I think that probably really blessed you. That's why I wanted to have Pastor Barrington back on. Incredible voice, saying things and applying the Bible to our current moment in ways that I haven't heard before. Maybe that's my own ignorance. Maybe there are other pastors saying this, but I haven't quite heard it that way, and so I hope that blessed you. Uh, Will you give the show a rating and review? Leave us five stars. Let us know what you think. I I mentioned this recently. We've been cracking the top 100 quite regularly, sometimes 80 or 70 up there of um, shows in the news commentary podcast category. That's not bad for a pro-life podcast, uh, and uh, uh, up there with some Salem podcasts, and, and the show continues to grow, and so we appreciate that. When you leave the rating and review, it drives it up the charts. More people see it, and it doesn't take long. We'd ask you to do that. Go subscribe at YouTube. Our YouTube channel is growing very quick. We're reaching a different audience on there as well, and uh, YouTube just announced that they're going to be cracking down on abortion misinformation and disinformation. So as long as we can continue to grow that platform, subscribe and help us out in that way. If you want to become an ally of the White Rose Resistance to help me launch what I believe will become the resistance movement against our Holocaust for this generation, go to thewhiterose.life, thewhiterose.life, become an ally of the resistance and help us launch this in this post-Rose season for the church, the country, and the culture. If you want to see me speak live or book me for an event, go to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com, and follow Pastor Barrington Allen on Facebook and check out his ministry, Total Life Victory. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. (laughs) 